from Tokyo, Japan, and Changsha, China. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. The holiday season is upon us, Des. It sure is, and a happy holidays to you. You too. What are your plans for the winter break? I'm heading back to Scotland for a month in the new year. The freezing Scottish weather and, of course, political uncertainty in the UK always makes for a fun vacation. <laughs> well, at least it'll be nice to visit the family. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. On the topic of UK political uncertainty, isn't there an election coming up in the UK soon? Uh, early next year, yes. One that the ruling Conservative Party certainly can't win, given the state of the economy and the disunity in that party. And speaking of other elections, there was a surprise in the Netherlands election last month. Far-right populist Gert Wilders came out of left field and won the highest tally of votes. That was big news, yes, but it's important to note this doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the next Prime Minister. Mm, no? In the Netherlands, governments are normally coalitions, so he now has to find partners in other political parties that want to work with him. Ah, uh, well, I don't imagine that will be so easy for him. <laughs> Probably not. Although Wilders has been on the political landscape for quite some time, his views particularly on Islam, have kept him out of the mainstream. His Islamophobia, you mean? <laughs> I do. He was refused entry into the UK in 2009 for that very reason, a move that unfortunately backfired on the UK government because it got him a whole load of media publicity. The election of a populist candidate is usually a sign that voters are not happy with the direction their country is headed. True. The focus in the UK has been mainly on the undeniable post-Brexit woes. But it does seem as though other economies in the Eurozone are really not faring that much better. Is this our topic for today? A roundup on how economies are bearing in the Eurozone? That is indeed my intention. Take it away. Let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with economies across the Eurozone. Let's start the ball rolling with the Eurozone's largest economy, Germany. Although Germany has narrowly escaped recession for the past year, most observers agree that its economy is firmly stuck in the mud. And how precisely is a recession defined? The generally understood definition is two consecutive financial quarters of declining output. In terms of what? In terms of GDP? Yes, as measured by gross domestic product. Germany has had single quarters of decline, but they were followed by a quarter of either stagnation or minuscule growth. Got it. So technically they are not in a recession, but rather on the brink of recession. That would be accurate, yes. And why is this? There are a variety of reasons. 
Firstly, Germany is an export-driven economy, and Chinese demand for German high-end goods has really fallen off a cliff over the last year. Given the economic problems China is facing, that makes sense. Furthermore, Germany has been hit particularly hard by the war in the Ukraine. Before the conflict started, they imported 55% of their natural gas and fully a third of their oil from Russia. Right. But Russia cut off natural gas exports to Europe, and Germany themselves put an embargo on Russian oil imports. True, and since then Germany has managed to import some natural gas from Norway and the Netherlands, but has also had to greatly expand imports of LNG from Qatar and the United States. So, energy costs have risen sharply. Exactly. Also, like most central banks around the world, the European Central Bank has raised interest rates on 10 consecutive occasions. Meaning that German companies have been finding it increasingly more expensive to borrow money. And the effect of that is particularly severe for manufacturers who have to take out loans to invest in upgrading plants and machinery. Lower consumer demand? Higher energy costs? And higher borrowing costs? A triple whammy. There have been some positives, though. Inflation is down, and despite higher borrowing costs, investments in plants and machinery are up marginally, which shows some level of confidence. So that is why the economic outlook is more towards stagnation rather than an all-out recession. That does seem to be the consensus. And what about the second largest economy in the Eurozone? France. Things in France are a little better, but not much. In fact, there have been several major hiccups in the French economy over the past few months. Hiccups? Like what? The telecom giant Altice is currently under investigation in Portugal for corruption. This has resulted in the stock falling fully 53% year to date. And are these corruption allegations true? Who knows? The billionaire CEO, Patrick Drahi, completely denies the charges, but then I guess he would. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. And then there is the French multinational online payments company, Worldline. In late October, they warned shareholders that their profits would be falling. After the announcement, their stock cratered 60% overnight. Ouch! Any others? The alcohol beverage company Remy Quantro has seen its shares slump to a 15-year low and even the mighty LVMH has seen its shares fall 25% over the past six months. Are those declines related to the falling demand from China? That does seem to be the main cause of the problems. And of course, for the French government, falling corporate revenues means a decrease in corporate taxes that they can collect. The country's national debt lies at 113% of GDP, not quite the 123% of the US, but high nevertheless. So, Des, is it bad economic news like this across the entire EU? Not at all. Ireland has boomed as companies have relocated there from London post-Brexit. 
Belgium's economy continues to grow in the 1 to 2% range, as does Spain's. OK, those are some bright spots. They are, but not enough to cancel out concerns over the two larger economies, Germany and France. Would you say then that the Eurozone as a whole is stagnating? It does seem to be. At a federal level, though, the EU has some very serious issues. What do you mean? Although post-Brexit Britain has struggled to make trade deals around the world, things in the EU are even worse. Is that right? Australia has been trying to negotiate a deal with the EU for years, but as yet has been unable to do so. In fact, Britain now has a deal in place so cheaper Australian food and wine will be able to enter the UK market more easily. So Australia doesn't trade with the EU. (laughs) They do, of course. But there are cumbersome tariffs and quotas in place to protect European farmers from competition. I see. A deal with the Mercosur group of countries has been in the pipeline for 20 years, but has still not come to fruition. The Mercosur group? Isn't that Argentina and Brazil? It also includes Paraguay, Uruguay, Bolivia and a few other smaller South American countries. You know, I think they're also referred to as the Southern Common Market. That's right. Also a trade deal with the US. The EU's biggest trading partner was put on indefinite hold in 2019. Even a deal with Morocco couldn't get through the European courts in 2022. Why is that? Protectionism. The EU is protecting their own companies and farmers. Protectionism. Never a good policy in the long term as industries become uncompetitive. The only deal the EU has managed to strike has been with New Zealand. But sorry, that's not really significant. (laughs) Well, don't tell Samantha that. Oh, come on. I'm sure she understands that New Zealand, with only a population of just over 5 million people, is never going to be a major trading partner. I am sure she does. Tell me, Des, with all this less-than-stellar economic news coming out of the Eurozone, do you think Brexit was the right thing for the UK to do? Ah, well, I'm not saying that the situation in Britain is better because it's far from it. But the increasingly protectionist EU is sure heading for trouble, I think. Interesting. Well, on that note, I think it is time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. I will start D2V off today with the idiomatic expression to come out of left field. This is somewhat of an informal expression that is used to describe any event, idea, or comment that is unexpected or seems to come from nowhere. The idiom comes from baseball, doesn't it? When an outfielder makes an amazing throw from the left field? I think that's right. In the introduction to our story, when Des and I were talking about European elections, I mentioned that Gert Wilders' election victory had come out of left field. 
His victory was indeed unexpected, and I think many people were certainly caught by surprise. Can you give us another example using this idiom, Des? Yeah, um, some of the comments that Elon Musk makes, hey, they come out of left field. Buying Twitter and then renaming it with the single letter X? Now, who would ever have predicted that one? Not me, that's for sure. Do you have our next word? Next up, we have another idiomatic expression, to be stuck in the mud, which simply means you cannot make any progress. This idiom is very easy to visualize. If you were out walking, or more likely driving, and you got stuck in the mud, then you would not be able to make any forward progress. Exactly. In the report, I described the German economy as being stuck in the mud. I was indicating that forward progress is proving extremely difficult given all the negatives the country has to contend with. Skip, can you give us another example using stuck in the mud? You and I recently reported on the real estate crisis in China. Yes, we did. D2B288, the Evergrande default. Well, many of China's construction companies remain stuck in the mud. They have properties they can't sell and loans they can't pay back. A timely example. What's our next word? Staying with the terra firma theme, our final word for D2V today is the verb to crater. As a noun, a crater is the big hole at the top of a volcano. The noun is also used to refer to large holes made when asteroids or meteors hit a planet. It does. Now, imagine you fell into one of those holes. That would be a pretty nasty fall. Yes, it would. So, to crater, the verb, means to fall rapidly. Just as if you had fallen into a crater. In our story, Des reported that World Line's share price cratered 60% overnight. In other words, the stock value fell rapidly. The verb is often applied when a price or number falls quickly and is usually used when it falls unexpectedly. Can you give us an example? Sure. The stock price of the US consumer robotics firm iRobot cratered in July when Amazon reduced its offer to purchase the firm from $1.7 billion to $1.43 billion. Why did Amazon reduce their offer? iRobot issued $200 million in new debt. I guess Amazon didn't like that too much. Des, that is a very informed example. Where did you hear about this? I was reading an article recently about how some people have been decorating their Roomba robot vacuum cleaners and treated them as pets. That led me into doing some research into the Roomba maker iRobot. No wonder you are such a book of knowledge, Des. You have such a curious mind. Would you like to help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills? Be sure to follow D2B on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, leave a rating and a review and tell everyone how much you enjoy the show.
Des. Thank you very much for that roundup report on the current conditions of economies across the Eurozone. Happy to do so, Skip. And with this being our final episode together before the end of the year, I want to thank you for all your excellent reporting on stories in 2023. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed bringing business news reports to all our listeners. You have yourself a safe trip back to Scotland and enjoy your winter break. You too, Skip, and I hope you have a really good holiday season too. I will. Is this going to be the last D2B episode for 2023? No, as a matter of fact, it isn't. Samantha and I will be dropping at least one more episode before the end of the year, and she and I will be back in the second week of 2024. Well, good to hear that. And D2B members, be sure you are subscribed to your members-only RSS feed, because Samantha and I will release the bonus vocabulary for today's episode within the next 24 to 48 hours. You don't want to miss that. The five additional words and phrases we will focus on will be disunity, hiccup, allegation, cumbersome, and fruition. If you're a member and haven't subscribed to your members-only RSS feed, just log in to your member account on the Down to Business English website Go to your account page and you'll find the RSS feed there. And if you are not a D2B member, do consider becoming one. Not only will you have access to all of our member-only podcasts and the bonus vocabulary episodes and the audio script library, your membership will help us produce Down to Business English on a regular basis. To become a member, all you need to do is to go to d2benglish.com forward slash membership for more information. That's d2benglish.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.